Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the seventh chapter. Glory to you, O Christ. The Gospel today is indeed from St. Luke, and it is found on page 1603 of your Pew Bible, Luke 7, 18 through 35. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to ask Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? And at that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sickness, and evil spirits. And he gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, And those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of woman, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. Jesus went on to say, To what then? Can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in a marketplace and calling out to each other, we played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, he was a demon. 
The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all of her children. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. I got to take a step down here because I left some important notes down here. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Before we pray or study, we ask God to intervene in such a way that we would be given new eyes, eyes to see, ears to hear, Scripture. And the Scripture that we read today, the Gospel, you've heard before. You may think, I don't know what that means, or you may think, same old, same old, I get it. And that prayer is intercessory and such that you may see it in a completely different way. And one of the ways to do it is to pray and then to have a heart of, okay, let's see. What do you got for me, Dad? I want to see something new. I prayed for you guys this week that maybe something new would pop out. So here we go. Today's gospel does contain a very important question. And that question was said several times and it'll be said or asked several more times. That question, of course, is, are you the one who is coming Or shall we look for another? And the answer that we would give to this question on the day of our death would reveal our eternal destiny. It is a variation of the question, is Jesus my Savior? John the Baptist sent his disciples to ask this question of Jesus. And in a way, it does seem very odd to me and perhaps to you that John should ask this question at all. After all, he is the one who leaped in the womb when his mother heard the greeting of the Lord's mother, Mary. He is the one who, in John 1, 29, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It was John's mission as prophet to identify Jesus to the world. He was the forerunner of the Messiah. And surely, he of all people knew who Jesus was. And surely he knew that Jesus was the fulfillment of prophecy. And even so, John is sending his disciples to ask the question, are you the one or shall we look forward for another? 
And perhaps the very fact that John could not ask this question in person could give us some understanding of the reason for the question. After all, he was in jail. He had followed his vocation as a prophet. He had spoken truth to power. And the power didn't like to hear the truth. Herod, the son of Herod the Great, had John arrested. John wasn't going to go anywhere. John had dotted all of the I's and crossed all of the T's. And yet he still found himself in prison. Now John had no delusions that he wasn't a sinner who deserved punishment. How do we know this? Well, he's the one who said in Luke 3.16, He who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And John's problem isn't that he was in jail. The problem was that he was in jail for doing the right thing. He was and is the prophet of God. The prophet of God was in jail for proclaiming God's truth. Jesus referred to himself as the fulfillment of prophecy in Luke 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So who is more captive than John the Baptist as he sits in prison because of his ministry as the forerunner of Jesus? And John's question is still valid for us today. We are not in prison for our faith in Jesus, but doubts do come our way. We all have those times when we consider Jesus and we wonder, are you the one or shall we look for another? The world seemingly gets more dangerous every day. Those who have worked hard for a lifetime now wonder if those hard-earned retirement benefits will cover the time that is left. Some of us have aches and pains in places that we didn't even know we had. And loved ones sometimes live clear across the country. And we don't see them as often as we wish. And loved ones die and are missing from our lives. And all of these things and more bring doubt into our lives. And when Jesus answers John's doubts, we really should pay attention too. His words are not just for John, they are for us as well. Jesus responded to John's question with more than simple words. In that 
hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And Jesus showed John's disciples how he was the fulfillment of the promises that God had made, that God had made through his prophets. And then Jesus sent his answer back to John when he said, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard, that the blind receive their sight, that the lame walk, that the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus certified that he is the promised Messiah by pointing to the prophetic signs of his healing and the prophetic signs of his teaching. John is not the only one who receives this answer. The Holy Spirit inspired Luke to record this account so that we would also have Jesus' answer. That we can also know that Jesus is the promised Messiah by virtue of his miraculous signs. In fact, we have even more signs than John had. The Bible tells us that Herod would order his beheading soon. And John would not live to see the greatest signs that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises. We, on the other hand, live after Jesus accomplished his mission to earn our salvation. We have the history of our Savior's saving work in ink and on paper. We know that Jesus lived a perfect life. We know that through baptism he gives that perfect life to us and he takes away all of our sins, all of our doubts, and he puts them upon himself. We know that the corrupt leadership in Jerusalem used a political scheme to force Pontius Pilate to execute Jesus on a cross. We know that through that cross, Jesus received the punishment that we earned with our doubts and our other sins. And we know that through his death, Jesus conquered all of our sins. And we know that through his resurrection, Jesus leads us to eternal life in him. And we experience Christ's baptism of spirit and fire. We know the intimacy of Jesus' presence within us as we eat his body and drink his blood at the sacrament of the altar. John experienced none of these things during his life on this earth. John proclaimed the New Testament, but never got to experience it in this life. This is the key. This is the key to understanding the very strange statement that Jesus made about John. He said this, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet, 
the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. How can the least be greater than the greatest? The least in the kingdom of God is greater than John because the most insignificant member of the kingdom participates in signs that John never experienced before he died. So it is that while none of us will be the prophet that John was, we are all greater than John. We experience signs that John never lived to see. We experience them now and so have the greater blessing from God. We have even greater reason to believe that Jesus is our Savior from sin, death, and the power of the devil. Today's reading tells us that many people believe that his teaching was from God. And these people see God's salvation breaking into the world in Jesus. Now Luke specifically mentions the tax collectors. And they were considered to be the scum of society. And even the tax collectors eagerly listened to Jesus and they believed his words. They had submitted to John's baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and they were ready for the coming of Jesus. Now sadly, there were others who were not ready for Jesus. The Holy Spirit inspired Luke to tell us that the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves. These people represent the opposition and are hostile to both John and Jesus. They deny their need for repentance or forgiveness. I'm not sorry for anything, and I don't need forgiveness. Jesus had some very harsh words for them. He told a story of children who refused to dance to the flute or mourn to the dirge. And then he told how both he and John had the same message, but two very different styles. John, as you recall, was strict and austere, and, and he kept to himself, and he looked kind of weird. And Jesus participated in the life of the community, and he enjoyed the good gifts of God's creation. And we know in each case, the opponents found something to criticize. Do you remember? In John, they were not willing to listen. No matter how God delivered the truth to them, there will always be people who rationalize the rejection of the truth with these words. It's not what he says. It's how he says it. Such people follow the example of the opposition in today's gospel. In reality, in reality, it doesn't make any difference how anyone shares the word of God with them. They will reject it. Now, on the other hand, the people who listen to Jesus also listen to John. They did not care how eccentric the teacher was. Because their focus was on the grace that God was pouring out on them through the message. And during this Advent season, 
of penitential preparation. We consider our doubts and our other sins. We consider these sins, their consequences and punishment. Their consequences and their punishment should terrify us. And how wonderful it is then to learn that in Jesus Christ we have all of the signs of God's promise. We have the signs of his miracles and his teaching, but especially we have the sign of his crucifixion and resurrection that earn forgiveness for our sins and gives us the promise of life everlasting in his gracious presence. Today is Gaudete Sunday. There's people pronounce it different ways, but Gaudete. And it is the Sunday of rejoicing. It is the Sunday of the rose-colored candle. And on this Sunday, we rejoice that the Son of God came into this world to offer himself up as our substitute and to take upon himself our sins. And we rejoice that by his resurrection he has opened heaven for us. And that we rejoice that although our sin is great, our Savior is even greater. And we rejoice in the way that he came to conquer sin. We rejoice in the way that he now comes to offer forgiveness to all people. And we rejoice in the way that he will come to give eternal life to all who believe in him. And we rejoice that a day is coming when Jesus will remove all doubt.